Zach Benson continues to impress with every viewing. We'll talk about some more preseason standouts, including Matt Boitras, Liam Bixell, and much more. And we'll link things off by talking about Aaron Kiviharu's injury that'll sideline him for four months. All coming up on today's episode of Locked On NHL Prospects. You are Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to Locked On NHL Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On this podcast, we break down everything prospects related for you five days a week, Monday to Friday. I'm Hattie Kalakesh, joined by Sebastian High. And on today's show, we'll be have we'll be talking first and foremost about Zach Benson again, because he just continues to score in this preseason and has more than likely kind of cemented himself as a top six option, at least for the first nine games of the year uh, before his case is reevaluated. But we'll talk about that for our first segment, kind of evaluate where he stands. And uh, then we'll, we'll go into our second segment and talk about some more preseason standouts among prospects, including Matt Patra, um, Leon Bixell, Nate Danielson, and Simon Edvinson. Um, so some Detroit Red Wings talks uh, for you as well. And then we'll end things off with um, Aaron Kiviharu's injury. Um, he, he suffered a major injury. He's out four months. We'll talk about how that will affect his draft uh, rankings, how you know missing the World Juniors can affect the players' standings, that kind of thing. Uh, we'll get to all of that on today's episode. But before we get into it, make sure to like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us a comment letting us know what you want us to talk about next. And if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. It's always very much appreciated. So uh, let's start off with Zach Benson because we have to. Um, he has he has taken this preseason by force and has really cemented his, himself as an option for the lineup for, for, for Buffalo. He's just simply been one of their best players and absolutely been the best 2023 NHL draft eligible so far in this preseason, hasn't he? Oh yeah. It's been great to watch. I mean, he's been playing like so well on that top line in Buffalo with Cage Thompson and Jeff Skinner. Uh, He's a really natural fit in there. I think the, the line just really works well for all three players involved. You have the, the pure finisher in Skinner, you have the skilled power forward in Thompson, and then you have the, puppet master and high motor player in Zach Benson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it just works tremendously well. And uh, yeah, he's showing off exactly why uh, a lot of us public scouts had him ranked inside the top five. And yep. uh, Buffalo made away with a real steal at 13th overall. And that's become apparent within just a couple months of draft. So uh, yep. I feel very happy for him. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, the, the thing is so funny is that what we saw from him and what we described from him in uh, Winnipeg last year is exactly what we're seeing right now. No matter what line he's paired on, that line becomes the first line. And when he was mm-hmm. pra- when he was paired with Jordan Greenway and Casey Middlestat last game, he still came out of that as a, a player who was able to put uh, put points on the board and have an, a really really good impact on the game. It's just so funny to watch that. You know, exactly what we described from him in junior is happening at the pro level as well, where he's just making any line he plays on better. He elevates his teammates so well. He's able to play off of their strengths so well, understand their mindset heading into the offensive zone really well. I mean, it's just who could have who could have predicted this, right? I mean, it's just it's not it's not like any one of us was singing his laurels all year. 
um, saying how he should be a top five pick and how, you know, he's not as far from the NHL as his size would suggest. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just very interesting to watch him go about it because it's, it's, it's everything we've said about him in, in his draft year, just materializing at the pro level now. I mean, that jump is not for everybody, right? It's, it, this is an exceptional case. Like, it's very rare that we see a player Truly, make those, yeah. those jumps like so well and have the exact same impact on his team that we're seeing in junior right now at the pro level with the Buffalo Sabres of all teams who have a really stacked like prospect pool. And he's standing out by far. Like, Matt Savoy could be in this position. Uh, JJ Paterka can be in this position. But no, it's, it's Zach Benson, right? Of course, it always is. And <laughs> if, he, if he were to stick in the NHL, what are your season predictions for him? Ooh, uh, man, this is going to be tough. I'd say, like, the the optimist in me sees, like, a 50-60 point season out of Zach Benson um, in, in, in his, you know, draft plus one. We are talking about a player who isn't at his peak physically um, and still has some things to learn, but... You know, you just look at his game and just the decision-making so solid, the playmaking ability so solid, especially if he's paired with a Tage Thompson who can just park himself anywhere and score. Um, and especially if he's kind of playing a lot of time with J.J. Paterka, who's got that kind of run-and-gun mindset that really complements what Zach Benson does so well. I mean, you're looking at a, a lineup that can benefit him in so many, dif- so many different ways that I wouldn't be surprised to see him as kind of a top-nine player playing either on the first, second, or third line alternatively game to game and just overall putting up like 50 to 60 points do you see that as a realistic possibility or i do i think that benson is a player who thinks the game at a high enough pace to make a shockingly smooth transition to the nhl mm-hmm. as an 18 year old which is not something that many prospects have been able to do in the past five years i mean bedard is likely going to be one of those exceptional cases and mm-hmm. But I mean, even players of the caliber of Jack Hughes have su- have struggled to adapt as NHL rookies. Yeah. So while it may come across as as overly bullish to to make a prediction of a 13th overall pick coming out of training camp, winning a spot in the lineup, and scoring mm-hmm. 50 plus points, I really do believe that Benson plays the game in a way that pr- will permit him to be that productive if he's given the opportunity. I think if he's given a bottom six role, you're not going to see many bottom six players throughout the league put up 50 plus points. Yeah. But uh, if he's given consistent time playing with players of the caliber of Cage Thompson and Jess Skinner, then yeah, I think 50 plus points is, is, is more than reasonable if that's consistent. Uh, if he's averaging like four minutes a night and playing power play minutes, then yeah, I think that that, that 50-ish point pace is quite reasonable uh, as a mm-hmm. prediction. And if he's returned to junior, he's going to light up the WHL all over again. Uh, and I don't think that would hurt him either. It would give yeah. him a year to work, especially on, on the skating, which I, I, I still think could use some work in terms of mm-hmm. facilitating just the transition to the NHL level. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not like concerned or anything with, with the skating. I just think that it would benefit him and it would kind of unlock some 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 further upside for him if he's able to to, to really put some some work in on that front but yeah. uh this is not a player who needs an, an extra year of refinement in the whl i just don't yeah, he, think that it would hurt him either he was too good for his team at 16 he was the best player on his yeah. team at 16 years old I, I don't think like in any situation sending him back to the whl to be like the the best player on his team for the third year in a row 
Like that'll like his confidence is already high. His ability to make high oh, plays yeah. and his creativity is already kind of developed. I think if he stays in the NHL, it actually could be very beneficial to his game because he'll be consistently facing that high pace of play that will force him to adapt. Oh, for he's sure. a player who has consistently adapts. So I'm like, you know, I'm still of the mind that, you know, Zach Benson should be playing in the NHL. But at the end of the day, like no player is necessarily harmed by being dominant for three years in a row. It's just that I, I does he really have like something left to learn at the dub and you know if he was if he was available to play in the ahl this would be a great conversation to have between oh NHL for sure and ahl but it's Certainly. just the chl nhl agreement which is older than most of us um is just it's built the way it is and uh yeah. it, it's a real it's a reality of drafting out of the chl but i mean yeah. i'm fairly confident in zach benson's ability to stick around at the nhl level i just if if he's like you said if he's going to be playing with bottom six minutes it's just it's not worth it um but you know we're talking about at all about all this, and you know assuming that Benson will survive the nine game stint, it might just be that he like once he hits the the, the actual regular season, and he's facing true NHL lineups. You might see things change a bit, um, and it would be understandable after if after nine games is sent back. I mean, he's, he's like like you said, he's a thirteenth overall pick in this past year's draft, five yeah. ten. Um, Average skater. I've honestly liked his edge work and, and lateral mobility. It's just his his straight line speed, his explosiveness. It's the is a straight bit line lacking. speed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like honestly, in tight quarters, like like cutting cutting to and from from the net and and kind of finding that open space is really good at that. Um, cutting oh, off the sure. boards, he's really good at after winning board battles, and the the intensity on him is really fun. So it's just. You know, for me, you can you can build up that pace of play and that straight line speed anywhere you play. I'm not too worried about the level that he's playing at. Um, if we were talking about a player who needs to develop his hockey sense, send him down. Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, but of course. Zach, Zach Benson. That's not the, Zach Benson. <laughs> well, Zach Benson is one of the best thinkers I've ever seen. So, like, I'm not worried at all. Yeah. Um, that wraps things up for our first segment. Now we'll get into our second segment where we talk about some more pro, uh, some more preseason standouts among prospects, including Buffalo, the the Boston Bruins, uh, Matt Poitras. Uh, the Dallas Stars leading Bixell and a couple prospects on the Detroit Red Wings who have impressed. We'll get into that right after these messages here at Locked On NHL Prospects. The NHL season is finally here, and that's why I want to tell you about Sleeper. Sleeper is my go-to platform for daily fantasy sports, especially da- daily fantasy hockey. With Sleeper, you have the chance to win 100 times your cash on daily fantasy. The NHL has never been more exciting than it is today, as we cover on this podcast. There is so much skill in this league, ranging from Connor McDavid to Sidney Crosby to Kale McCarr and Connor Bedard. Simply select more or less based on their stats, such as goals, assists, points, saves, and more, uh, to create the strongest team that you possibly can. Yes, you heard me. Sleeper offers 100 times payouts, so start paying attention, make the right picks, and you could win big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Alrighty, so moving on to our second segment, we'll talk about some more preseason standouts. We'll start with the obvious one because holy, uh, he has completely exceeded expectations on every level. Uh, and it's Matt Poitras out of the uh, Boston Bruins, a prospect pool that we weren't too high on, and a prospect who we weren't too high on either. Um, in in Poitras, I mean, he's a player who 
I was I knew always knew what he was good at. He he's good with his back to the play. He's able to spin off pressure. He's able to get to the middle. He's able to get some shots off. But I did not think that he would be this this quick to be NHL ready. I mean, it it I saw a bit more of a slow development curve up, and I saw it ending a bit a bit earlier than what we're seeing right now. Like we're seeing a player who has not only been good enough for the NHL, he's been good enough for the top six on the Boston Bruins. Like, he has been ridiculous. Um, what's your thoughts on his preseason so far? What do you like about his game? What do you think has developed the most, especially? He's been excellent so far, as you said. Uh, I've I've really liked to see how he's kind of translated his strengths from the OHL level to NHL preseason because mm-hmm. – they are really shining, and I thought his D plus one season last year was excellent as well. I thought that he he really added a lot of pace to his game. I thought mm-hmm. he was a lot more um, calculated in how he was applying his his best tools in order to create advantages at two hundred feet all over the ice compared yeah. to his draft year season, where I thought that he was really outshone by other players on that Guelph team, like like Danny Jelkin, for instance, but. Uh, yeah, he, he's been really consistently progressing uh, since then, and uh, Boston's bet has has really turned out quite nicely at the from the 2022 NHL draft. Yeah. I think that, like, for me, the two biggest things that have shifted in his game have been the pace at which he plays and yeah. the pace at which he thinks. Like, mm-hmm. it's been all about the pace that has kind of been revamped in my viewings. Uh, compared to his draft year footage and that's been all that he's needed in order to be a bigger difference maker on the ice and he's been applying his physicality he's been applying his strength and his overall grit on the ice uh, a lot more effectively and more intelligently than i thought he was previously like in his draft year he had a tendency to chase hits and he wasn't consistently in position and uh that's completely changed and Mm -hmm. uh while i definitely am not expecting him to be a top six piece for boston this season i i do expect him to cool off a little bit here uh i think that as you said i think he's he he seems at the very least ready for the nine game nhl stint and once those regular season games are up we'll see uh Mm -hmm. but he might very well stick around and be a really useful bottom six piece uh, mm-hmm. for Boston long-term. Like, this is a player who I still am a little bit skeptical of, like, long-term top six upside for a true contending team. But mm-hmm. uh, he's already looking like a decent middle uh, or bottom six option, maybe mm-hmm. a potential middle six option moving forward. So, yeah, his progression's been excellent. 100%. Um, you know, I, I'm talking about, like, a top six upside in terms of, like, this preseason, especially because, you know, he, he's not sticking around the top six if you have, like, the players yeah. that the Boston Bruins have in the top six is it's, it's, it's slim pickings there, but I mean, you're looking at a player who's processing speed, especially, and, and it's just decision-making overall has improved so much. And I'm curious to understand how that happened. Cause like it's, it's, it's one of the things that's very difficult to teach in scouting uh, and in player development. It's just, how do you develop your processing in order to match an NHL level of pace um, and match the, the, the accuracy and quickness of decision-making that is required at the NHL level, just to stick around, just to keep your head above water, let alone succeed and, and play at the level that Patras playing right now. He's been truly one of the most impressive players in this preseason. And I mean, you're looking again at a, at a prospect pool that absolutely needed a, a, a surprise standout like this. Cause outside of Fabian Lucell, uh, Mason Lori, it's, it's, it's not the most deep kind of pool of players. So I'm, I'm, 
fairly fairly interested in in seeing kind of how this develops for Poitras as he moves on. Does he become the best prospect in the Bruins pool? Does that stay Lucell or Lorai? It's going to be very interesting to see develop. But moving on to Leon Bixell, who has been very impressive um, in this preseason as well uh, for the Dallas Stars, repeated very, very good um, offensive and especially defensive performances. He's been a stalwart um, helping the likes of Miro Heiskanen and uh, other defensemen in that kind of decor break the puck out easier, disrupt play. Um, he's always in the right spots. He's extremely physical and violent and aggressive, uh, but not to the point of putting his team in trouble. But I've also been really impressed with the offensive progression. Can you talk a bit on that and kind of talk me through how that's developed in Bixell's game? Yeah, for sure. I've, I mean, I've always, I've always been a bit of a bigger fan of Bixell than you, than you have. Like, I think uh, going back to his draft year, I think I had him right at the like edge of my first round. I think I had him thirty third overall. But uh, yeah, he, he's really, really fun. I, mm-hmm. I like his combination of of mobility and power, which he displays both defensively and increasingly now offensively. Yeah. I think that with the puck, he's he's gained a lot of composure since his draft year. In his mm-hmm. draft year, often he'd get pressured in any of the three zones and just kind of dump out the puck. Mm-hmm. Um, and now he's he's really kind of shedding that during the headlights uh uh, I guess, like, <laughs> uh, response to pressure. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been really, really solid uh, here in preseason. I, I've seen him activate a little bit more regularly offensively. But more importantly than that, in my view, he seems in control in possession of the puck in the offensive zone, which I saw increasingly last season, but it was still a bit sporadic. So I'm hoping that really fully catches on this year for him and whichever league he ends up playing. Uh, because I see a player here who could be a really, really solid two-way defender on a second pairing. I, mm-hmm. He's not going to, to to be a primary offensive driver by any means, but he's a type of player that is a strong transition defender, continuously improving uh, defending the cycle as well. I really, really liked his progression last season in terms of protecting the slot and and overall creating space for his goaltender to, to see the puck. And uh, yeah, no, this is a very, very solid prospect and uh, was a, perhaps a slight reach for Dallas where they picked him in the late teens, but uh, they're getting a pretty solid asset here that I think has a fairly, fairly high floor. I don't really see a possibility of Bixell not becoming an NHLer at this point in time, mm-hmm. uh, but you never know with prospects. It can always go awry, but uh, he, he's been really, really steady in my, in my past couple of viewings over the last year and a bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, now we'll end things off with uh, Nate Danielson and Simon Edmondson out of the Detroit Red Wings. Danielson was just recently picked up by the um, by the Detroit Red Wings. I thought it was definitely a reach. Um, he's been decent in this preseason. I don't think he's been ninth overall impressive, especially on this this draft. But um, look at the details of his game, and he's an extremely polished, extremely mature uh, game in all three zones. Especially, I found it in transition. It was very impressive and very consistent as well. Um, his ability to move the puck, to get into open spots quickly, um, and just help his team out in small increments along the way as they reach the offensive zone. And obviously, we know how good he is as as a two way forward. You know his ability to win faceoffs, to play those important minutes, to shut down opponents. Like it was decent. I still have I still have yet to see that kind of high end offensive upside that warrants a top ten pick in this draft. But um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but Simon Edmondson has been just a, an absolute lock for the lineup for me so far. Um, 
the mobility, the defensive ability, the transition game, the offensive skill, the creativity. I mean, it's all there with Edmondson, right? I mean, do you see him as a good D partner for, for example, Moritz Sider? Like, do you see that as a full-time D pairing at the NHL level? I'm not quite sure about just yet, just because of how well Jake Wallman played last season with Sider. Uh, yeah. But I think if, if you're looking at the projections, like one to two years in the future, I would say yes. I think those two complement each other quite nicely. Sider uh, is a bit more solid defensively than Edvinson is, but Edvinson's come so, so far in that front since his draft season. Uh, and I think that that those are two high-end two-way defensemen who could really complement each other quite nicely. But I don't think that they play together. It could also be complementary to have them on separate pairings because I think the two can play similar roles. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think when you have two players that uh, play with such fluidity, skill, and uh, grit defensively too, uh, mm-hmm. you can't really harm yourself by putting them on the same pairing and having them just eat a ton of minutes. What I'm yeah. curious about is to see just how the defensive core shakes out in Detroit because they've invested quite a bit of cap space into middling bottom of the lineup defensemen. So guys like Justin Hall, who just signed this off season, I don't really see space for him in that lineup, especially with Edmondson coming in now. But uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how that lineup shakes out. And as for Nate Danielson, I've been really impressed too in preseason. I think that he's been outperforming Marco Casper so far, yeah, which, sure. has, which is not what I expected in this preseason at all. And uh, I know like some of uh, fellow Dauber scout Jordan Harris uh, has been remarking the same thing of, of Danielson really quite impressing in preseason and mm-hmm. uh, outshining Casper too. So yeah, it's been it's been solid all around for Detroit so far in preseason. Absolutely. But that wraps things up for our second segment. Then we'll move on to our third segment where we talk about uh, a bit of an unfortunate situation with Arun Kiviharu. Uh, we'll talk about his injury, how that affects his rankings, all that good stuff. Right after these uh, messages today on Locked On NHL Prospects. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you are looking for with eBay Motors. Because with eBay Motors, you are burning rubber, not cash. With all the, p- the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right, so anything's off with a bit of injury talk here for a 2024 NHL draft eligible. Uh, we'll talk about Aaron Kiwi Haru suffering. An undisclosed injury, um, we often see that with draft eligibles. A lot of teams are not too willing to disclose kind of full details on injuries for a player who's heading into his draft year. So that's that part's quite normal, but essentially he suffered a, an injury in, in practice, and uh, he'll be sidelined for four months as he needed surgery in order to um, kind of help out with that. So we're talking about a four-month absence. That means missing the World Juniors and going well into February, maybe even March in terms of an absence here. So how, first of all, 
how you know we've seen this a couple times in the past with some different prospects, whether it's Ivan Moroshenchenko or you know many other prospects who will miss like three, four months, maybe five, six months in their draft year, and ninety percent of the time their draft um, their their draft stock plummets, right? Um, yeah, Kibi Hari was already starting to slip out of the kind of top ten conversation. Where where? Where do you think he ends up, let's say, in four months? Are we talking about a player who's outside of the first round, or is that too harsh? I think that's a bit too harsh, just because we don't have much of a draft year sample yet, and I think mm-hmm. we need one in order to, to drop him that far. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that Kibiharyu is fortunate to have already built himself quite a decent like pre-draft season um, mm-hmm. like profile. Like he's he's well known already in the hockey uh, sphere and and with NHL teams too, so that I think will help him like avoid a massive slip. But it, it's hard it's it's hard to not expect him to fall into the top fifteen or twenty by that point mm-hmm. in time, right? Like it's it's going to um, yeah, it's going to be a bit tough for his uh, overall draft projection, but. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he will be able to return in early February if that four month like um, estimate is accurate, and that will still give him a couple months of hockey. Now, whether or not he's going to be at in full form during that stretch, we don't know. Obviously, mm-hmm. but fingers crossed he will be. And we've seen in the past, uh, like late risers always have some potential to make a difference in their draft rankings, even as late as, as April, right? Like even just at the U18s at, at the last tournament of the season. So he's going to have an opportunity to, to bounce back if he's able to get healthy by then. Mm-hmm. But of course it's heartbreaking, right? Like it's a, it's a massive, massive season for him. Like obviously he is hoping to, to entrench himself as a top 10, top five potential pick, but mm-hmm. uh, an injury can always get in the way of that. But mm-hmm. again, fingers crossed he's able to bounce back when he's healthy again. Hundred um, percent. You know, I'm looking at kind of the timeline here, and just the the, the World Juniors are so pivotal because every scout and their mother seems to be there uh, when the time comes. And he, he's already played two. Like he's already played more than most than most yeah, players in the like, draft. Will that's what I'm thinking. So... But I, I feel like teams are are more likely to kind of put stock on their draft on the players' draft year. Like that's a pivotal oh, year course, where they're where they're course. going to like. Sure, he was good in the the last World Juniors and the one before when he was freaking fifteen. Um, but how he how is he in his draft year? Like I, I've never understood that because you know he's able, he, you know he's good enough to make the lineup. You know he's good enough to perform. If he's injured, like you missing that, you know that player missing that tournament, and you're not getting the opportunity to scout him against these particular players, doesn't mean that he's bad. I mean, especially if he goes back to the Liga against men and dominates and plays well and all that like I, I think there's still a chance for redemption in terms of PVRU's draft stock but I feel like at this point given this and given how NHL teams have tended to to draft in the past we're probably looking at a player who ends up in the 10 to 20 range who shouldn't be in the 10 to 20 range um you know I I still believe in our PVRU skill set I am a big fan I mean the, the processing especially is just so impressive. The com- That combination with his mobility, with his decision-making off the rush. I mean, there's so much to like about Kibiharyu's game. I just, I think it's a, it would be a shame if he ends up being a player who drops off massively um, due to this injury. 
Um, but we're looking at a player who definitely has a skill set in order to kind of bounce back if he can get back in time to play some meaningful minutes in the, the Finnish Liga um, and kind of see some regular time there. You know, yeah. does does that change things in your mind? You know, the fact that he's going to be missing the World Juniors, but at least, you know, he's going to be back to play against men at some point. He's going to have the chance to kind of bounce back. Do you see him maybe carving out a top five role? Or do you agree with me in, in terms of like, it's almost definite that at the end of the day, he's picked in the 10 to 20 range. I think top five is perhaps a little bit difficult, but I think that that kind of also goes down to the combination of his injury and the fact that he's an undersized defenseman. I think if he were bigger, there'd be a better chance of him like quickly, um, like rewinning his draft, his his draft stock. But uh, I have a question for you. If, If you are at the draft table at the 2024 NHL draft and you're picking like 12th overall or 13th mm-hmm. overall, what is your argument to pick Kiviharyu with what you've seen so far of him? He's one of the most dynamic and creative defensemen I've watched in a long time. I love the, the, uh, the awareness, just the vision and ability. Like there's, there's an, there's an element to his game. That's very difficult to kind of both encapsulate and teach. He's just, a lot of what he does is very kind of it, it's he's got a mature game, but not to the level of like a Sam Dickinson where he's easier meat and potatoes, good old Canadian boy. Like he he's yeah. he's got some, some originality, some creativity. He's got some kind of lateral movement that's really interesting. He'll make he'll take some decisions where you're like, what are you doing? And then you, you kind of let the play unfold. You're like, oh, that's what you were doing. Like he, he's got the, many of those elements. So I'm. I'm fairly confident in his ability to kind of read the game better than a lot of the defensemen in this draft class. I'd say, you know, defensively, definitely Sam Dickinson reads the better the game better than him. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, like especially offensively, I can't really name you too many. Like Cole Hudson's in that conversation. Um, Zane Perak, maybe. Yeah, that's that's like, but he's sure. up there in terms of processing with like yeah. one of the best kind of four way mobility in in this draft with um, For some. Sure. Some decent, some decent defensive acumen, a powerful shot, really accurate and, and creative playmaking. Like the the awareness, mobility, and kind of foundational defensive skill is definitely there. He needs some developing. He's very raw, but he's a player that's been playing above his age group for the longest time and has excelled in those in those areas. So I'm I'm really like I'm I'm sold on him so far. But we'll see how he plays when he gets back. Like I'll give him until like April. Because obviously you come back in February from like a four month or, uh, from a four month absence after surgery, like it, it's going to be a slow progression when he comes back. But if by April we're we're still looking at a player who hasn't really you know reached expectations so far, um, I I'd, I'd be willing to have a conversation to skip him at twelfth. But you know I've just been really impressed so far. That makes sense. Yeah, for sure. That's a great <laughs> argument. I like it. All right. So that wraps things up for today's episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe. Leave us a comment. Uh, and if you're listening on your favorite podcasting platform, make sure to make us your first listen of the day. If you're a second listen of the day, make sure to check out Lockdown Sports today. And make sure to tune in for our next episode as we talk about a lot of OHL stuff. Uh, this has been Hattie Calicap, Sebastian High, and we hope you tune in next time.